She toured with Beyonce and Victor Wooten. But now bassist Divinity Rocks is stepping into the spotlight with her first family music album. It's called Ready, Set, Go. Here's a clip from the title track. Ready, set, go. It's a brand new day. And I'm feeling good. You're feeling good. Let's get, get on our way. Put that pep in your step. Put that pride in your stride. Put that smile on your face. And that twinkle in your eye. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm in a great mood. Hi, I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape. Divinity Rocks is our guest on this week's show to talk about her new album, as well as her two new picture books, Life on the Road with Beyonce, and more. Divinity, it's a great pleasure to have you on Cityscape. Hey, thanks for having me. This is cool. So the album is called Ready, Set, Go. This is your first family music album. How do you feel now that it's out? I feel so good. I'm so excited because the response has been overwhelming. And so that certainly makes you happy when people like the music you make, you know. So who's your audience for this album? My audience is uh, about, I would say my audience is eight to eight and under. But I will also add that the audience is the kid in all of us because all of us have a little kid inside of us still. At least I hope most of us do. I know I do. That's for sure. (laughs) So why did you decide, though, on that age group specifically? Well, I started this record. um, It was kind of weird how it came about. I was writing children's music. I always thought in my later years I would start writing kids music, right? And my favorite ages, honestly, are three, four, and five. I have so many nieces and nephews. I love that age because they're so curious. They can communicate effectively what they want, what they need, what they like, what they don't like. I can stimulate their imaginations and ask them all kind of silly, weird questions to which they'll have silly weird answers and responses so I just love that age group it's like then that's when they're really soaking in and learning the world and getting to know how the world operates and creating their own perspectives about the world so for me that age is always so exciting to to I love playing with and and, and just hanging out with kids that age but um but I started writing this album um most of these songs were geared toward pre-k students um, and then as I continued to write, I wanted to reach that seven, eight-year-old where things start to get maybe a little bit awkward and weird for you, you know, and, and your confidence starts to starts to waver a little bit. You know, that three and four-year-old is like, hey, I know the world. I got this. I am who I am. Nobody can stop me. But about seven or eight, you start questioning those things. And so I wanted to kind of keep kids from questioning those things and continue to be excited about Yeah, that's a good age to get that reinforcement. This way you'll carry it into your teen years and then your adult years, right? Because boy, do you need it then. (laughs) Yeah, you do. There are eight songs on this album. They are filled with strong messages that encourage kids to become the best versions of themselves. Where did you draw your inspiration for these songs? What did you tap into? Man, this little kid 
kid inside of me is always jumping around, ready to party and dance and make songs and be creative. So I really tapped into that. I tapped into the messages that my mom used to teach me when I was a kid and uh, how important it was to build my confidence as a child who was going out into this world. Um, she always made sure that I was going to be myself, that I was going to love myself, that I knew that I could be absolutely anything in the world. And all of that fueled my curiosity and my creativity. And I just wanted to share a bit of that with um with as many kids as I could. I understand your mom would give you what little sermons before you went off to school. <laughs> Every single day, we caught a sermon about how important it was to go to school, how we had to had to had to do our work in order for us to have a better life than she had. Um, she made sure that we had balanced meals every day. Like my mom. <laughs> My mom was like super mom back in the day. And your mom is still like super mom or super woman because she's going on to play basketball at the Senior Olympics, right? Yes, yes. She's staying happy and healthy, just like the song. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I'm so excited for her. I cannot wait to go and cheer her on. Let's talk about the songs on this album and the meaning behind them. The title track, again, is called Ready, Set, Go. What's the message in that song? The message of Ready, Set, Go is sort of like that sermon my mom would give us in the morning, you know, how to be prepared for your day, making sure you have everything you need in order to be prepared for success, because after all, preparation is the key to success. And I've learned that uh, as I continue to grow, you know, from college, high school, middle school, uh, even in my professional life, I'm always learning that lesson. So once we, if we can start drilling it in early, uh, you know, sometimes it takes some some time to catch on so that's that's that message what are some of the things that you tell yourself now after you wake up in the morning well you know when I first wake up in the morning 90 percent 99 percent of the time I just say thank you I just say thank you. Thank you to the universe. Thank you to the God within for waking me up and giving me another chance to have another day because some somebody did not wake up today and didn't have that opportunity. So I just wanted to just want to have some gratitude. You know, it's funny because my schedule is so crazy right now. And I literally just said to myself, you got this. (laughs) (laughs) You can do this. So I'm still giving myself pep talks every day. Sometimes I just look in the mirror and like. I know you did this to yourself, but you can do this. You got this. <laughs> you are amazing. Let's go. You know? <laughs> Another song on the album is called Be Yourself. Now, I think in some ways the title says it all, but tell us more about your thinking behind that song, Be Yourself. Oh, man. You know, my favorite verse is that second verse. Um, I can't be nobody else, so I'm going to be myself. I love myself. I love the way I move. I think I'm so, so fresh. People might talk about me, might laugh at me, might say something mean, but I let it roll off my shoulders because that makes me feel so free. I feel so free when I can be me. I love that. You know, I feel so free when I can be me. I think everybody does. When you can just shed all of those those uh, pretenses and, and all those expectations or whatever it is that people might say about you, might think about you. We live in this bullying society, this 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 cut off, what do they call it? Cancel culture society. Be yourself because that's when you are the most productive, the happiest, and that's when you're really going to thrive. So I want kids to know that, like be confident in being yourself. You might be quirky. People might say you're corny. They might laugh at you. They might not like what you're wearing, but if you like it and it makes you feel good, be yourself. We've all had those moments in life where I think we 
have felt like giving up. Things got too challenging. Throw your hands up in the air. You know what? I'm done. But you have a song on this album that encourages kids to do the opposite, to have the power to persist. It's called Just When You Think. Just when you think that it's time to quit. That comes directly from my mom, man. My mom would call me sometimes. You know, being a musician can be tough. You know, this is a tough life as as an artist and a creative. You know, she would just always sometimes say, don't give up five minutes before the miracle. You know, she there, there were two things she would always say. Always expect a miracle and just just don't give up because just when you think it's time to quit might be that that miracle moment might be right around the corner and so that's you know i mean seriously my mom should really get credit for all these songs (laughs) (laughs) what does your mom think of these songs Oh, she loves them. She absolutely loves them. She leaves messages on my Instagram quoting the songs and she dances and it just she's she's just really proud. She really is a proud mom. You've used one of your mom's voicemails, a message she left you in an earlier song, right? On another album. Yeah, it's called Always Expect a Miracle. Such an interesting voice message. I, it's funny that I saved it. There was something really special about that message. I believe I left home uh, after Christmas holidays, and we didn't get a, a time. We didn't get a chance to spend a lot of time together. And she says in the message, you know, I was gonna hit you up before you left, but I know you're busy. Um, and then she goes on to say, you know, I, I really pray that this is gonna be your year. You know, this this is your year. <laughs> it just I, I get teared up thinking about it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Um Yeah, that was a that was a special moment and a special time. I'm glad I got it and captured it and, and put it on an album because albums are forever. And so that moment is is forever. How different was it for you to create a children's album compared to the other work that you've done for adults? You know, there was really not much of a difference. It was just a matter of being more articulate and intentional with the lyrics. But musically, I just stuck to stuck to the script. I believe that I've always wanted my music and my art to be about inspiring others because I know how important it is to have something to go to, to listen to, to give you inspiration. I always wanted my music to be empowering and, and inspirational. And, um, and this avenue just gave me, it was a little bit easier to do it because sometimes it's hard to do that for adults. Whereas for children, children are so open-minded to goodness. And to being inspired and empowered because we tend to we tend to do that with kids more often. So they're used to to having those messages. And so they were it just seemed like it was easier. Honestly, Um, I had such a good time writing this record. (laughs) You teamed up with one of my favorite family music artists for this album. He was a guest on this show. I'm talking about Fuchs. 
Yes, Future is the man. Oh man, I hit up Future. I was like, we should do a song. I want to do a song called Feeling Good. And he was like, yo, I got it. I got it. I got the idea. I got it. Let me let me make the beat. He made the beat. He sent it to me. Um, all I did was just drop some bass on it. And we did like a couple of arrangement things. And yo, this song is so much fun. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I mean, it's really a bop, but that's all Future makes is bops. Yeah. Who else did you collaborate with for this album? One, two, three, Andreas and Christina. Um, They, uh, we did a song called Love, Love, Love. The, the, you know, I wanted to write that song because oftentimes uh, we don't talk about how complicated love can be in family dynamics and in relationships. And no matter like if we disagree about anything and, and love each other, that love should be what allows us to listen to each other, to 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 listen to the other perspective, to understand each other and move forward in that love. Sometimes you drive me crazy. Sometimes you make me laugh. Sometimes I make you angry. And I don't mean to do that. Sometimes we don't agree. We don't see eye to eye. But that's okay, cause love wins every time. You know, I start off the show usually talking about how parents are get mad at their kids and kids get mad at their parents, but nobody wants to talk about that. But at the end of the day, you still love each other and you can forgive each other and move on. Um, so I really wanted to have Andreas on record i also hooked up with the alphabet rockers what the alphabet rockers have a new book out right now too they are they're just they're just incredible the social work they do is amazing um and they're on the song just when you think uh, i also got the hip-hop legend bahamadia to drop a verse on that song which is super cool um my wife sang background vocals on this record so that was really cool um, yeah, man, Ebony Smith, who is an incredible producer over at Atlantic, uh, she works in the Atlantic studios over there. She's the head engineer over there. She worked on Be Yourself with me. I got one of the Beyonce, uh, trumpet players, Crystal Torres to play on this record. My man, your neighbor, Var, Kat Dyson, who played with Prince, um, and Cindy Lauper. She's dropping some guitars on this record. You know, Very I had cool. to call all my friends. <laughs> Bring them all in. Very cool. Yeah. Well, you have a song on this album named after my favorite day of the week, Saturday. Woo! Yes. <laughs> That's my favorite day, too. What's Saturday about? Saturday is just about how how every other day of the week we have something to do, usually. But Saturday is the day where we get to have fun. We get to connect with our friends. We get to go to birthday parties and shows. And it also is a song that helps kids learn the days of the week. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is the best day of the week. I remember when my little brother was learning the days of the week, there was this song called Saturday Love. It was like a funk song. Love Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So we were trying to teach him the days of the week. And he would he just couldn't get it. But when the song came on, he was singing the days of the week. <laughs> and we were looking at him like, those are the days of the week, bro. You're doing it. You know, so I wanted to give kids that experience to if they're having a little bit of a hard time learning the days of the week. Saturday is a great song to help them learn. Them. What's a typical Saturday for Divinity Rocks? Man, sometimes Saturday is like a Monday for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, typical Saturday when the sun is beautiful and the weather's nice. I like to uh, I like to ride my bike. I like to ride about 20 miles uh, down to um, Liberty State Park sometimes, sit out by the water, ride back, have some lunch. Uh, with my wife and and just hang out and relax. That's a glorious Saturday, no doubt. (laughs) The lyrics for two of the songs from the album, Happy and Healthy and Me and You, are actually now picture books. They're used in picture books by Scholastic. Tell us about that. Oh, man, that is so exciting. So originally, those songs were a part of a pre-K program that Scholastic was... um, was working on in the school system. And that's kind of how I got into the idea of like this being a thing, right? Me, I started writing that music and they loved it. And uh, and they came back to me and said, hey, we love these two songs so much. We want to make them part of our family and community engagement departments where uh, they would partner, they partner with nonprofits who buy books and supply them to different schools and different organizations like the Clinton Foundation and other organizations like that. And, you know, uh, learn to read, um, read and gross, things like that. And they wanted to use these two songs. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is so I was so honored, you know, with this family and community engagement department, there are often times where some Families may only have these books in their homes for the first few years of their child's life. And I was like, oh, my God, how how big is that responsibility? How huge is that to have my words be what they are listening to, learning to read, having in their lives these songs? And what better songs than Happy and Healthy and Me Plus You? The book is beautifully illustrated by Neshante Fletcher. The the entire team at Scholastic took it upon themselves to make sure that these books were inclusive. There are so many, they're so diverse. There's so many types of kids in the books, kids who identify with having disabilities, uh, kids of all ages, old kids, young kids. Kids of all different backgrounds, families of all different types. Man, every time I open that bo- those books, I see something new in them that just make that just bring me to tears. I'm always sending messages like, "Oh my god, I didn't realize you put that in the book. How cool is that?" So important to see yourself reflected in a book, in a movie, oh. anywhere, really, right? Yes, we had a friend of ours who um, who has been wearing a hearing aid his whole life, and he was reading the book to his daughter, and he happened upon the page with a little girl with the hearing aid, and he stopped, and he sent us a message. He sent my wife a message and said, I've never seen a book that that had me so aptly represented in it, and we just had to stop and take a moment and just give thanks for that. Because his daughter was able to see a reflection of him in this book. He was able to see himself. And that's really what it's all about right now. Now, back in 2001, you released a kid's song called I Could Be Anything. Why did you wait 20 years to create more music for children? (laughs) I never had anybody ask me that before. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I I, I did that as as part of a project. Um with this hip hop label in New York city at the time. And they were wanted to make a hip hop kids record. And so I wrote, I could be anything uh, based off of my mom. 
messages from my mom that's my little cousin tj who is now 20 years older and my little goddaughter alasia with her sassy self singing on the verses um i just think it took that long for me to to uh to come back into myself and into my mission you know i think about the alchemist right you know that book uh where you take this long journey around the world i've toured all around the world with superstars and done all these amazing things and I get to come right back to kind of this place where I started that puts me back in touch with my original mission with my original goals to continue to inspire empower and uh and that's what I'm doing now so maybe that's why it took so long <laughs> you toured all around the world with Beyonce as her bassist, as her musical director. What did you learn most from that experience being on the road with Queen Bee, as she's called? Oh, man, there are so many lifelong lessons I've taken from having that experience. There's experience of, uh, there, there's collaboration. Um, there's following your dreams and following your heart. You know, she is probably one of the hardest working people I've ever met. I've rarely seen her flustered or frustrated or upset. She has this even keel about her. And to run an organization as big as hers, with as many people as there are involved, she's never complaining. She never complains. And that is a really hard, hard thing not to do, right? And so um, I am always <laughs> checking myself. There are a couple of things I check myself uh, when I do, and, and, it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's because of the Beyonce gig. When I say I'm tired, I check myself because I've never heard her say I'm tired. And I've never heard her complain. So as soon as I want to complain, I stop and I give thanks. What's your greatest memory of being on the road with Beyonce? Do you have one that stands out? I have so many. And, to, and every time somebody asks me this, I say something different. Today I'm going to say my most, uh, one of the memories that I love the most was the very first show we played with her. Just the BET Awards. In 2006, I had been having some hard times in this music industry. I had been, I had this demo deal that went wrong. I had been doing showcases. I had been told no over and over and over again. I was really at that place where I was getting ready to give up. And I almost didn't go to the audition because of that. But I went to the audition, I got the gig, and I remember <laughs> standing behind her playing during Deja Vu, and we're, she comes over to us and we hit this little dance step and looking straight into the camera and imagining my whole family and everybody I loved on the other side smiling back at me. Like, yeah, you did it, you know? That is something that's indescribable and I love that I love having that memory I love having had that experience and being able to go back to it every now and again 
Now, potentially, you could have been on this side of the microphone because you went <laughs> to UC Berkeley to study journalism, right? Yes. <laughs> when did you decide, no, I'm not going to do the journalism thing, I want a music career? You know, I, I had a hip-hop group in high school called Dat Boo, Divinity and the Breakfast Unit. And uh, I decided to go to college because my mom used to give us that sermon every day about the importance of school, right? And I loved school. I really did. I still love to learn. I'm, I'm so curious. I love learning new things. Um, school just filled me up, and, and, and I enjoyed that. So I go off to Berkeley, and of course I start hanging out with the musicians. And I was going to be a journalist because I love to write. I loved writing and reading and I thought, okay, I would translate that into a career. It would be, it'll be journalism. I also wanted to be an author and I figured that I could kind of do a little bit of both. You know, I could be a journalist and have my little author, maybe write books on the side or something. Um, but I hung out with all the musicians. I don't know how I ended up hanging out with the musicians, of course, and freestyle rapping at parties and hosting parties. And uh, a friend of mine was playing the bass, I, and and uh, and I mentioned to him, hmm, I might think I'm thinking about picking up a guitar. He was like, man, gr grab a bass, and I did. And once I did that, I knew there was no going back because I don't know what I don't know what light turned on inside of me, but I was completely smitten with the bass guitar. I was in love with it, and I figured that I needed to go back and and and, and try that career in music. What would you say was your first big break when you realized, you know what, this is going to work for me. I'm going to make a career of this. It's going to work out. The Victor Wooten gig. So I go to Victor Wooten's bass camp because I want to be a better bass player, right? And, um, and we have to introduce ourselves by playing bass. And I ask him, well, can I say a rap with my bass playing? And he's like, yeah, if that's what you do. You can do it, whatever you want. Introduce yourself. So I played the little bass line I had and I spit my little rap and everybody got excited and it was really cool. And, uh, and after the camp, Victor asked if I wanted to tour with him. I was like, yeah, I want to go on tour with you. Are you kidding me? I get to learn from the master. And after touring with him, after the first tour, I didn't think I was really part of his band. I was like, oh, you know, that was fun. I got to tour with Victor Wooten. I'm a... But he kept asking me every time he went out, did I want to go out with him? <laughs> I was like, yes. And that's when I realized, wow, I can do this. This just might be. This, this, that, was my, that was my big break. Victor Wooten, Live in America tour. Well, you found your passion for the bass guitar. I guess your passion was not for the clarinet, which was your first instrument, right? I understand. Listen, I still love that. I love that clarinet, boy. I keep thinking I'm going to get myself one. <laughs> I don't know if I can even get a note out of the clarinet right now, though. Your uncle was musical, right? My uncle was musical. He's the first person who put a bass in my hands. And he played the saxophone. He had a little studio set up in his, in, in his little extra bedroom. He had a keyboard. He had a bass guitar because he played in a band. They used to play earth, wind, and fire music. And he put a bass in my hands. He thought, I guess he thought it was, that was something. And I was like, eh, I don't know what to do with this. Give me your saxophone. I would always take it off, put it down, and try to go for a saxophone because I played the clarinet and really wanted to be a saxophone player secretly. But I couldn't play saxophone phone in the band um so it's so funny that when I did pick up the bass how much I fell in love with it because when he would give it to me I couldn't stand it 
<laughs> so maybe maybe my Uncle Ronald planted a seed. Now, here you are out front with your own music again, right? Obviously with Beyonce. Beyonce was the lead. When you were playing with Beyonce and doing that gig, did you ever have concerns that you could lose your own musical identity? Woo! Come on with the deep questions. Um, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, when I, so when we came off of the, to, off of the road, Generally, I, I would I would only go into the studio and just make beats and produce and stuff like that. I wouldn't go perform live. Um, I did have this cool band, Kalindo, who plays guitar with uh, Janelle Monet was my guitar player. This guy, Carlos McSwain, who since passed away, was Snoop Dogg's drummer. We used to play together before I got the Beyonce gig. And we was like this tight rock, crazy rock tr- trio. Um, but once I got the Beyonce gig, they went off and they started doing their thing and we disbanded. I I didn't play live for a number of years. And when I did step back out uh, as a as a lead, as a, as a front person, I was scared. I didn't know if I could do it. I didn't know if I could do it. Um, but I moved to L.A. We started playing shows at the Whiskey A Go-Go. And we got to be wild and crazy. And then I remember, and I remembered that I could do this. <laughs> and we had some good times. What are you working on now? What's next? Woo, right now I am, <laughs> I'm playing a couple of gigs. There's a, uh, I'm doing something that I don't normally do. I'm playing this high school musical of the Lion King. A good friend of mine called me. Uh, We did this a few years ago. There's a high school in Mount Vernon called the Denzel Washington High School. They do a production of The Lion King Jr. And I'm going to sit in as the bass player. That's fantastic. (laughs) Oh, it's so exciting because I get to exercise those chops that I don't really get to exercise where I have to read music and I get to just be in the pit and be a bass player and, um, and keep it funky, and the music for The Lion King is so much fun to play. So when I get off with you, I'm going to head to rehearsal. All right. The show is this weekend. Well, let me just say it this way then. Ready, set, go. Definitely. thanks so much for your time. Thank you. A great big thank you to Divinity Rocks. Check her out online at divinityrocks.com. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>